Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hello, and welcome to episode 53 called Charity Gone South. Today, we are opening up a wine uh, called Purple Heart, and we are going to be talking about where your clothes go when you donate them. When you're doing a good thing and donating them to places like Goodwill, um, Salvation Army, Purple Heart. We used to have the Purple Heart truck come and pick up our clothes. Uh huh. Where do they actually go? But don't they just go to charity? Well, what does that mean? What is charity? Like, well, do they go to the homeless people on the street? We know that like places like Goodwill do sell them. Mm-hmm. Okay, but how much of that? So we're I encountered this recently and my (laughs) mind was blown um i don't think this is common knowledge and so we're going to kind of get into it but first we're going to get into the wine yes it's a 2015 purple heart red wine blend from sonoma county so very Ah, fitting where we just Ah. were and you said that this is from mandavi so the winemaker it's a collaboration with um, i'm popping by the way yeah you you gotta go for that um it's a collaboration with mandavi uh, the winemaker there um, has been at Mandavi for years. He actually, had, his name is John Moynier, and um, he actually served in the Air Force from 1968 to 1972. So his connection with Purple Heart and wine is is nice that he's the winemaker. Thank you. And then after he served in the Air Force, he trained at UC Davis and be, has been a winemaker at Mandavi since 1985. That's pretty wild. I mean, talk about a complete shift in your uh, profession. But that's why he's the perfect person for this wine, because this is kind of the melding. Purple Heart Wines makes a generous annual donation to Purple Heart Foundation. Last year, the foundation helped over 19,000 veterans secure over $210 million in benefits um, with their their veterans, with their veteran service officers. So buying this wine is not only helping um it's not only it's only helping intoxicate you yes it is helping (laughs) this one actually is helping veterans so um that's That's really great it's commendable and um their quote on their website is this nation will remain the land of the free only so long as it is the home of the brave and that is a quote by elmer davis damn straight yeah so this is i feel good about drinking this it makes me feel happy that we're helping out this was about a $20 bottle of wine. Happy to help. So not too hard on the wallet. And so we will cheers here. Cheers. So, so this it's, it's a, a blend. Yeah, it's a red blend. Of Merlot, Zin, Petit Verdot, and Cab Franc. But it's primarily Merlot. It's 67%. Has 14.2% ABV. And because we haven't talked about Merlot since like episode 24, I think, we're just going to run through a few fun facts about Merlot. As a refresher and to those new listeners who are joining in. Refresh ourselves with wine and knowledge. Always. <laughs> Always, Sarah. So um, Merlot is a French varietal. Uh, the name comes from a French word for blackbird, which is M-E-R-L-E, Merle. They think it's reminiscent of the grape color. So that's why it's Merlot, or I've heard it pronounced Merlot. Tomato, tomato, I guess. I don't know. True. We are very phonetic in the way, in the way that we speak. So Merlot. 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 Maybe not that phonetic. No. <laughs> um, so Merlot is interesting. It's very similar in nature to Chardonnay in the sense that it can actually be grown and produced 
pretty good wines in all climates. So, and by all climates, I mean cool, moderate, and hot. We're not talking about the Antarctic or the very, very snowy uh, reaches of the U.S. or something. So hotter climates or over-ripened grapes from moderate climates tend to give more of those blacker fruit notes or even chocolate type characters, things like that. Maybe coffee. I think that's a little closer to Cab Sav, but the cooler climates give more of this red fruit flavor. So giving us more like strawberry or plum and even herbaceousness like mint or something like that. So it runs a gamut, if you will, for different types of flavors because we can go from blackberry and blueberry to strawberry, plum, cherry, things like that, which is What do you get with this one? Interesting. I think I'm getting more of the um, blackberry and blueberry. Uh, I would I would argue that. I mean, this is Sonoma County, which yes, means that it can be warm. It can be from cooler climates in Sonoma, like closer to Carneros and things like that. But when it says Sonoma County, you're basically saying that there are grapes from all over the county that are being tossed in. And you can't just sort of put like a pin on the map and say this is exactly where it's yep. from. So it says it's hand-selected lots of choice in Sonoma County. So exactly what you just said. And that could be different. Ty- like maybe the Merlot comes from one spot. The yeah. Zin comes from another I do feel like this is very smooth. It's not a particularly tannic wine. Uh, I'm not getting a ton of acid. I almost feel like there should be a little bit more. Very fruity. I am getting a little bit of like a a spice of some sort. Yeah, I, I get a little Are spice. You? Um, you just had a great reaction. what did we learn about pH and the time of day that we're drinking? So... The earlier that you drink in the day, your pH is actually more on point with wine than later in the day. So I'm not apparently quite sure how that works, but we have this master psalm <laughs> basically tell us you're going to be a better taster earlier in the day than later in the day because of the pH. And we're recording this kind of early, but not as early as the guy from Joseph Phelps who was like, it's 8.30, they popped open 20 to 30 bottles of wine for us to taste that we're going to yeah. be pouring today. And I was like, no. damn, that's early. No, no, no. It's not that early, but it isn't It isn't nighttime. We're, we're in the lunchtime era. I do get the spice that you're talking about. I get some leafiness, like some fall crushed leaves. Okay. Which seems weird. I get a little bit of like hints of licorice maybe, like mm, a tiny mm-hmm, tint. Mm-hmm. It's very, very easy drinking. Like really smooth and easy to drink. I like, think smooth is the way to go. I think that it is, it's not an overpowering. And that is one of the cool things I think about Merlot. One of those red grapes that is soft, fleshy, some might say. And so it actually helps give higher body and higher alcohol to wines versus like Cabernet, which is like they get you with the tannin and with the acidity. So this is more fruity. It is more I just sort of making a more robust wine, I think you could say. It is interesting, though, because it can have those earthy flavors. I also think we're hitting this at the perfect point of drinking it age-wise because this is a 2015 Uh uh-huh and they say that this is going to drink beautifully upon release and continue to gain complexity and grace with four to five years of cellaring all right so i think we're kind of in that sweet spot yeah um being that it's you know four years from its release so i think that that's great yeah um they also call it a heroic red blend because it is the collaboration between mandavi and purple heart so kind of cool their description of the wine oh yeah let's hear what they say it has aromas of cedar plum blackberry and black currant with hints of black licorice dark ruby and opaque in appearance this medium-bodied wine is lushly textured with notes of red and black fruits 
blueberry and hints of cardamom. I don't know if I get the cardamom. Is that what so you get? So I think that might be what I get. I it's so weird because I it's definitely an oak flavor. Like it's not part of the fruit. This yeah, and they is, don't they don't tell us how they age it. Seamless across the palate. This wine is a long velvety mouthfeel and finely ba- balanced tannins. And then they talk about the the cellaring. So they don't really tell you what it's um, aged in. They do tell you that the pH is three point four six. I don't really know what that means. I'm not sure either. Um, you know, I would buy this again. I think it's we'll we'll drink. That's a, a little very bit. strong statement for the very early. Yeah, buy it again. I mean, because it's charitable. Because it does a good thing. It, it does, does a good. Yeah. Deed. I mean, it's charitable, and the wine's not bad. So, but we will. I'm gonna reserve my thoughts for a minute. I'm gonna sit with it for a while. <laughs> we'll keep drinking, and then we'll have a, a true. You guys keep drinking too. Recommendation. Yeah, but I think regardless, just off the bat, the fact that the wine's not horrible and it goes to a charitable donation, I think that's I yeah, would buy for, it for certain. Yeah, uh, for sure. Okay, all right. So where where do all I I think like the song "Where Do All the Cowboys Go"? Where do all the clothes go, dude? How okay? How did you learn about this though? So I was actually it's funny. I was actually watching watching an Anthony. A lot of my you, you stories watch a go lot back to Anthony, Anthony Bourdain. Bourdain. I know. I was actually watching Anthony Bourdain, and he does, I think it was one of his, like, final episodes, because we're trying to get through all the ones, um, is in, I believe it was Kenya. It was one of the African countries. I can't even remember. I, <laughs> oh, okay. Actually, that makes sense based on some of these articles. Yeah, though. I mean, I, I think it was Kenya. But he goes through this market, like the street market. Okay. And as he's walking through, he goes to these, like, clothing stores, like, you know, used clothing stores. And he learns, basically, that all these clothes that are there are from the United States. That they are all these donated clothes that get recycled and sent to the to Af- the African countries, and then they're resold. Now, that doesn't... And so he saw it, like, he physically witnessed this. He bought like some. A, oh, he did? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, him <laughs> and the guy that he was with. He's like, he's like, shoot, every time we need to go clothes shopping, we gotta go to Africa. Right. It's like super cheap. Like seven bucks for a pair of jeans. It's like the best thrift shopping ever, right? Yeah. But here's the kicker. This woman they were interviewing was talking about how there's, it's so much of a thing that they actually, all their textile manufacturing factories have closed down because this has just taken over. They can't have their own economy for clothing because of this. And when they've tried to decrease it or say no, the U.S. has kind of bullied them. Into still into accepting st- it? Yeah. Into that, like saying we'll ban, you know, these other trade items if you guys don't do this or something like that. So it is, I mean. If you think about it, every country needs their population to have jobs. And they have certain things that their population, their country is good at. And so, and then they rely on other countries for imports, exports, and things of that nature sort of to round things out. So what you're saying, if I'm hearing you right, is that the African communities have been historically creating their own textiles, their own clothes, things like that. But all of a sudden, they're finding that the market for them to be doing it themselves is no longer, uh, I don't want to say it's not available because they they physically are capable of doing it, but it's that they are not allowed allowed to or discouraged to do it because there are all these like, and I'm going to say fast fashion, but there's there's all these other fashions coming from the U.S. Yeah, so we'll kind of get into that because there's a law that just recently is, well, they're trying to pass a law, but we'll get into that. I the, But that was the 
That's the impetus. That was the impetus, impetus for me to start looking into this because I was like, that can't be. Like, how much of that is true? And mm-hmm. like, you know, this is TV. This is an interview. I, I don't know, right? Oh, no. Oh, I started no. looking into this and it is it is true. And to an extent that I was baffled by. So you when you take your clothing to like Goodwill, for example. Yeah. Less than 10% are kept by them or whatever place you take it to. Okay. Um, and sold in like thrift shops. And you're thinking, okay, they're still being sold. Like if you take them they're to They're being ch- repurposed. All right. But, so the yeah. whole idea is that when you give away your clothes, at least in my mind, when you give away your clothes, you're expecting that there is going, they're going to be reused by somebody. Okay. And it's like, I don't want it anymore, so I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. That's like where I am in my and head. And there's less fortunate people maybe that can't afford newer clothes and so maybe there's something you wore a few times and you know there's someone who can get it for much cheaper than yeah or you grew out of it or it doesn't fit you or whatever the reason is okay so the rat and and actually it's a very quick turnover like i guess goodwill does like auctions and stuff but like clothes are only in there for like a week or two before and if they're not sold they're gone really yeah it's so weird the rest are sold to these textile recycling firms so there is, um, and this was an older interview. I did not know, sorry. I did not know that there was such a thing as textile recycling. No idea. No idea. I'm happy that I know about it now, but I have had some major like epiphanies about my past um, behaviors. I'm, I'm telling you, like this was such an interesting topic for me. So back in 2006, ABC interviewed Bernard Brill, who works for the Secondary Recycled Textiles Association. Say that three times fast. Right? And he said that they buy hundreds of millions of dollars worth of clothing every year from these charitable institutions. A lot of the clothes are recycled into cleaning cloths. Okay. And other industrial items, which I'm fine for. I do that with my towels. And they say they make a little bit of a profit there from that. So 25% of what recycling companies purchase is used in the international trading economy. The clothes is processed, sorted, and distributed around the world to developing countries. So for example, he says, so like if you have a pair of jeans, your jeans are stuffed with others into a big plastic bin weighing Uh about 120 pounds with like about 100 pairs of jeans. And these are sold to international shippers who put them on ships to go to Africa and other areas of the world. And now your price has increased a little bit. So by the time they get into Africa, let's say, the whole bin is worth about $144. So it's $1.30 per pair of jeans. By the way, this is, I mean, I'm, this interview is from 2006. So, I mean... That's fine. Who knows? I, I, it could be. It could be more money. In now. my mind, I'm actually equating this also to like the prices of wine because you have to pay for all these transportation costs and yeah. all the different hands that touch things. So I, I'm slowly following like how you're saying the prices are increasing along yep. the way. So when they go to put them for sale, they call them bend over markets because the customers bend over physically because you're like laying it yep. out on the ground. Yeah, and look through things to buy something, and the average price is about six dollars and sixty six cents per pair of jeans so that's a 500 percent increase that's crazy and then but that's a huge bargain for those shoppers because most of them don't make much money oh, and yeah. they can't afford especially u.s brand stuff you know so that's a little taste of what's going on but it gets further in the, in there because yeah. that's like the one kind of side of it like the entrepreneurial somebody is benefiting albeit perhaps modestly from your donations like you're like free donations you've paid maybe $50 plus for this pair of jeans, right? Mm -hmm. 
and then you give it away freely and then somebody is reaping some benefits there. Yeah. A lot of people are actually involved in that. But then there's the other side where, like you mentioned before, how there is the East African community made up of Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Burundi, and Rwanda who have been participating in this but who are actually trying to make a stop to this sort of activity because they feel like they're relying too much on the imports and they want to be able to sort of boost their own local manufacturing and create all the jobs that used to exist that were essentially Mm -hmm. depleted because of this whole process. I have a question. Okay. Have you always donated all like a bunch of clothes? I mean, I remember doing that a a lot when I was younger. I do it a lot because I just am going back to Marie Kondo. I like to get rid of things I'm not using. A lot of times though I used to give a lot to my sister Mm -hmm. but yeah I've given to Goodwill, I've given to Purple Heart, I've given to Salvation Army and sometimes we give to church too which I don't really I think that probably goes probably more to I'm assuming the needy within the church Community. community. I mean, I would expect, but I, would expect, uh, but I don't know. Another enlightening thing. Yeah, this exactly. <laughs> um, but here's what I don't like about all this. Tell me. Besides the fact that obviously seems wrong, right? But if I knew, if I knew this, that would be different. But the, what would you do differently? I feel like you'd be more choosy on where you, like maybe then if I knew that church was really, all of it was going to the needy, maybe I would only donate there. Mm-hmm. Or like maybe a woman's shelter or something local like yeah. that I knew for sure. I was also reading that people were saying around the holidays, especially when it was like so flipping cold here and yeah. we had that polar vortex nonsense, yeah. but they were like, don't forget about the homeless shelters. Yep. I have actually not thought about that, but they were saying don't forget about the homeless shelters for, you know, if it's used towels or used blankets or coats or things like that. Because Goodwill, like you said before, we know that they sell it to anybody, right? A lot mm-hmm. of people, especially when they have like dress up like costume parties, yeah. they go to Goodwill because they're like, oh, there's going to be a lot of random finds there. And right, certainly but I'm, I'm are. fine with that because. That's somebody fine. else is using Someone it. Else You're is repurposing. Using it, you know, reduce, reuse. I do recycle. want it to go to more needy people, but agreed. Okay, so this is what, where I get annoyed. The charities aren't upfront about it. Some of them put information, but it is not to perhaps the level of specificity. No. Well, Goodwill and Salvation Army on their website they say that their clothes are sold in the charity shops raise money for a variety of good causes, but they don't say anything about them going overseas. They don't sell, say anything about them being sold to a private entity. Mm-hmm. They don't say that. I hear you. I can appreciate that. It's the same thing. Well, it's not the exact same thing. But it's like when we say, we want to know where the wine comes from. Exactly. We want to know where the clothes go. Right. We want to know what it is that you're doing with the stuff that we are freely giving you. Yeah. And then, I mean, so Planet Aid actually tells you that they send their clothes overseas. Who says that? Planet Aid. They okay. say the clothes are, that are sent overseas end up in developing countries where they can be resold on a micro level. This creates jobs and produ- provides a source of affordable clothing for those who don't have much to spend. For example, the container your clothes get packed in may be sold to an importer to Gu- in Guatemala. Um, so at least they go through the whole process. So, well, I mean, that's good. So it's transparency. Yeah, it's it's transparency. They tell you this. Now, does it create jobs? I don't. I don't know. It seems like Africa feels like it's taking away jobs. But at least they're telling you what's going on. They're telling you that 
Some customers buy higher priced items and those with fewer means buy the cheaper items. Sometimes even they're only sold for pennies. I'm okay with that. Like then that makes me feel bad. Like I'm looking at this and I'm reading about it. And I'm like, okay, you're sending them off to Guatemala. Someone's buying it for like five cents. That's fine. The 500% right? markup is absurd. I will definitely give you that. But I also am thinking, well, considering how long it took and how much effort it took to like get clothes from A to B, possibly to C, possibly to D. Like I don't know how many stops these clothes make. But somebody's going to have to make a profit. 500% is absurd. <laughs> I definitely agree yeah. with that. And just trying to think about the economics of it and again the business side. But it is very much a catch-22, I think, because we are trying so hard to not do what we shouldn't be doing, which is we should not be throwing clothes out or textiles out in the garbage. No. I'm guilty of it. Are you guilty of it? Not really. Really? The only thing I think I've ever thrown away are, like, maybe underwear. Well, otherwise, what do you do with it? I'm not sure. That I have no idea. I mean, but- for that for that reason alone, I know that I've, like, thrown underwear and socks in the trash and probably like really old towels i'm and sure that I, I did i'm this sure in my i've thrown socks with holes away in the trash so why shouldn't we do that a couple of big points yeah number one they do not deteriorate <laughs> your threads are still going to be threads decades right centuries down the road right they also because of the way that they're made they also emit toxins Oh. Into the air. When you're burning them or whatever? Well, when they sit there, like, and they start to like, I oh, mean, okay. that's what one of these articles said, and I'm like, what? I found one article, and it said that there's an estimation that about 5% of everything in the landfill, and this was an older article too, 5% uh-huh. is textiles. Wow. And I'd say that's probably on the low end. The Americans send 12.8 million tons of textile waste tons. to landfills. Tons a year. Annually. That was in 2013. That's insane. That's crazy. Some of this, I think, is encouraged because of the way that society views clothes and views fashion. Fast and views, fashion? Yes. Yeah, no, let's 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 talk about that. There has been a huge increase. So in- what is what is fast fashion? It basically means that, like, let's say you go to Target and you see this t-shirt, <laughs> like, oh, it's so fashionable today. It's only 10 bucks. Might as well just buy it, yeah. right? And you wear it three times and you're done because it's out of fashion now. Mm-hmm. And you're going to move on to the next thing, right? Like all the Game of Thrones shit that everyone has, it's now now that it's all over, everyone's just been going to be tossing it, maybe? Probably. Like okay. all this stuff. Like <laughs> Forever 21. Like places oh, like... Oh, sure. Yeah, Forever 21. Where things are really cheap and Charlotte fashionable. Rose. Not really made. Quality's not, not great. really Exactly. It's not made to last. It's made to be like, here's a short period of time you can wear this because they know that it's going to be out of fashion relatively soon. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. And you, and so even if you wanted to keep it most of the time. You can't. <laughs> that it fades quality, quality sucks, and you're done. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's fast fashion. And this has created an addiction to clothing. Um, and the amount of clothes that charities and thrift stores actually re- receive has doubled over the past 15 years. Wow. Because people are just giving their stuff away more. Americans buy five times more clothing than they did in the 1980s. Thank God the 80s are over because that style was awful. I know some of it's coming back. I was just going to say, so but everything comes back. Yeah. And then, and then you have social media. Which even increases this because yeah. all these fashion bloggers are out there. For example, let's just talk about how right now, and I'm guilty of this. Okay. This, there's so many, I've noticed this. 
every store I go to or every online store I look at, there are tops that have the tie. Listen, we just bought one together. I have like two or three of these. Mm -hmm. But I was like sitting there and I saw one the other day that was cute. And I'm like, why would I buy that? Because I already have a few. And I know that this is not going to last. You like, wore this, this as a child tie in the 90s. is going to be gone. Do you and remember it, the, the little buckle clips that we used to put in our shirts to do basically yes. the same thing? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a perfect example of like, it's fashionable now. But like, I feel year, like the dress I'm wearing right now is like a 1920s with the little cap sleeve thing. Like, we're just have the to buttons. Take a picture. Like, it does match your cast. I feel it does. It's very cute. I didn't plan it. It's cute. But I feel like that is also a classic pattern. You oh, know, I, I'm just saying like these ties and stuff, like these trendy things, the short crop toppy things. Oh, I can't. I will. You will never catch me in one of those in public. In Jumpsuits public. are back. I don't think that's going to last. So all of these things that don't last and people buy to be fashionable in the now. In a couple of years, and be like, oh, my, like, please watch the Kardashians and watch them go Dude, through some of nope. their stuff. I can't. It's just like, I just I cannot bring myself to sit for even like 10 minutes. I watched 10 minutes of one of their shows on the treadmill the other day, and I was like, oh, my God. Because they were basically talking about, like, that's so yesterday, like, from clothes. Like, that were, that was that's okay. so 2017. Can I, let me ask you this question, though. All right. So for everyone who, like, follows these Instagram, I don't. I'm, like, one of the least fashionable humans I know. Do you do you ever look at those articles? Like I know people people dot com like has these things, and it's like oh Kate rewore like Prince like Kate Middleton. Oh okay, yeah, mm-hmm. the Duchess. Uh, she rewore like clothes from like two thousand seven. I was like, good, good for, for her. her. <laughs> it's like good for her. Well, that you she can her to throw everything out after one time of wearing. I can't them? even imagine. But so and then she has. I remember. Um, I feel like it was this past winter. There was like some big ball or gala or something that she went to. And they showed this dress that she wore. It, this was the third time she rewore it, but this third time she actually had it modified. So she changed like the neckline in it or something, and it was like so cool. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, yes. If I knew how to do this shit, I would do it. Well, I think the fix to this, and there's an article that kind of goes into this issue about fast fashion. Um, okay, one, you have to shop smarter. Agreed. So again, don't buy those trendy pieces that you know you're not going to wear in a year. Buy those pieces that will be able to be reused. When you look at them, you're like, oh, I could wear it with this, 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 and this. Like you're going to buy a black. If you buy like a nice black blazer, for example, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to wear that. Forever. Forever, right? Yeah. So it's better to probably spend a little more money on better quality clothes that are classic, not going to go out of fashion, and that will last you. That's the truth of it. Agreed. Agreed. I hate when I buy a sweater or something and then I wash it a couple times and it looks like it's like 20 years old. I'm done with that then. I do, like that makes me upset. But, but I, I also think that it is part to do with, with the fashion industry. Everyone's like places like Forever 21, they're creating both cheap in price and cheap in quality clothing. I think that this is a little trickier because the cheap in price I think is sort of acceptable because... You can't, ex- like, not everyone is going to be able to or want to spend an right. absurd amount of money on clothes. Like, mm. I'm not going to spend $300 on a top for not, work. Like, neither am I. No, but, no, I know. But, but I'm I, just saying, like, we need to have, we need to be able to have, like, across the market, mm-hmm. you know? I do like watch, looking things about the royal family. Yeah. But I love when they do these things like, oh, a rewear of something. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, guys, it's okay. Like, one of the biggest females in pop culture, I'd say right now, mm-hmm. 
is Princess Kate Middleton. And she rewears stuff from nearly a decade ago. I, I think that is acceptable. And I like that she's sort of pushing the edge, like stepping over the line to kind of be like, people, it's okay. You yeah. don't have to like get rid of everything. You can rewear stuff. It's not horrible to do yep. that. So um, another article I was reading talks about how like the nice clothes are sold in the thrift stores, but most of it is actually is goes overseas. And some of it, I guess Pakistan is also one of the bigger countries, and so is Malaysia. Who who receive who receive the clothes from them? Us? Okay. And then the, sometimes they shred the clothes and put it in insulation or in furniture. That's not a bad. thing. No, that's fine. The rather thing than is, re- here's the thing: rather than re like like creating more, yeah, we don't need more. We need to find better uses for the things that have already been created. Yeah. So guess how much the East African markets are worth for the recycled clothing? How much? $43 million. The U.S. pulls that in because of? Yep. Wow. I think there's also a call to consumers to buy less and think about what you're going to buy more. Again, what we were just talking about. What are some other things that you can do? I have, I do a couple things. With your clothes? Yeah. Not just my clothes, my shoes, my purses that I'm over. I actually sell I'm, a lot of them on like Tracy. Oh, or, do you? Or, I've never actually done that. Yeah, or like the, I guess Poshmark is a good one or eBay. And I've had good success with it. I mean, not everything sells, but a lot of it does. Because a lot of it's like, for example, like bridesmaid dress. Wore it once, don't really need it, don't want to wear it again. Someone will wear it, needs this color dress, whatever. Yeah. I sold a lot of those. Or shoes that maybe I forgot I had or... I have I have a lot of shoes that have gotten like very little wear just because I hate wearing heels. Yeah. So, and if you're like, or if you bought shoes for a certain thing and then you don't need them anymore and you don't feel like you're going to wear them anymore and you want to declutter your life. Yeah. One way of doing that... If they're in good condition, especially in like purses are a good one too, mm-hmm. you can go on these online shops and just sell them. And they the, the online shop takes a percentage, like I think 9% or something, and then you get a profit. Which helps to cover the cost of whatever it is that you bought. Right. right? So, I mean, I've, I've made some decent money. Hmm. I, I mean, obviously I paid for this stuff, so like... Yeah. But it's definitely comparatively, and it, you've you, reaped you you've recovered some of your initial costs. Exactly. So one of the other things that happens, um, I know at my old office building, I I think that my current office building does this too. But as a building wide initiative, they do these drives, and I've seen two that I've actually donated a, a significant number mm-hmm. of items to. Number one being prom dresses. Okay. You can bring your prom dresses and they are going to be brought to communities that can't afford. I mean, prom dresses cost like upwards of $200, right? No, and that's a, a good, I've seen the prom dress, dress donation and that's, that's yeah, a great thing. Yeah, I too. remember one time I had seen it and it's like, I take the train to work, so it's really awkward yeah. because these are massive dresses. So there was one day I was just like, I'm just going to bring it in on a weekend. I drove downtown and like brought like five or six dresses in. So there's that one. And then the other one that is really cool, and even my aunt was telling me about it because my office building did one thing where it was like business professional clothes uh-huh. so that oh yeah women can go in. And it's specifically for women, I think. There's one specifically for men, though. I- I'm sure that there is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that there's one for each. But so that you can provide the clothes and then so that people who 
are having trouble getting interviews. jobs and getting yeah. interviews have clothes that they can actually wear to those interviews to look professional and all that stuff. Yep. Another thing about that, though, that I don't believe that my office did, but my aunt's office does. Like, there's a woman who, like, spearheads this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Every time that you go to a hotel and they have all of the, the little things, um, like the toiletries and things like that, those oh, are know. collected. Uh, again, you can give those out, whether that's homeless shelters or these drives for the women and or men who are doing mm-hmm. interviews. Mm-hmm. That is part of it. So you, I mean, it's not used stuff, but yeah. it's, you can easily pull those and donate them. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I guess stores like H&M and Marks, Marks and Spencer, which is a big store in the, in the United Kingdom. Okay. They are making clothing from old fibers. So they're trying to use reuse some of old clothing and make new clothes um and sweden actually is burning h&m clothing for fuel i'm not sure how that works that makes me question a lot about what is in that fabric (laughs) i don't know but they're saying it's not going to be like the answer but it's maybe just like a bridge to the actual answer I'm going to try to bring this all back. There's so much to just comprehend and, you know, uh, what's, know. The, what's the word? To just really soak in right now. Yeah. But when we think about the fact of donating, or the, the act of donating, excuse mm-hmm. me. When we think about the act of donating, yeah. I think it's a very positive act and a positive it is. decision. It is. People good for people. when they're giving things away. Yeah, but it's also, it, it really is beneficial I personally think that the benefits outweigh the negatives when you, it comes to donating clothes because you're not filling our landfills. And we have so many landfill issues. I mean, there's like piles of garbage in the middle so of the ocean. So in New like, York City, honest. 84% of all unwanted clothes end up in landfills. And this is 400 million Wait, pounds. what? 84% of what? Unwanted clothes unwanted. end up in landfills. 84%. Yeah, that's... That's crazy. Absurd. And 400, that's 400 million pounds thrown away annually that's six percent of their city's waste and that's just the u.s right that's just the u.s like five to six that's new york yeah so even though the donating of clothes isn't really going to what i think some people envision like the 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 picture that they have in their minds right still getting rid of your old clothes that your unwanted clothes yeah that way is by far better than putting all this shit in the landfills and just kind of disposing it in the the quote-unquote easy way like sure like putting a donation pile makes it takes more time and effort then you have to drive it somewhere unless you have somebody calling and saying like can you come pick this up purple heart does do that will they come to you yeah it depends on where you are i know they don't come around here i remember when i was growing up Mm -hmm. they did come to the house. I remember AMVETS used to give us calls <laughs> when I was growing up. I think he was actually in both of the places that I loved growing up. And they would call and say, AMVETS is going to be in your area on Tuesday of next week to come pick up clothes. Yeah. If you have anything, please leave it outside or something. And so, and it was like whatever day it wasn't garbage day. So I wouldn't right. be confused, you know? To me, even oh, I appreciate all of the information because, man, I had no idea like where all of the shit was going. But I still think that donating and whatever happens to it down the road is better than is throwing a little away. bit better than throwing it away. Oh no, and not then, a little bit better, a ton better and than that, throwing yeah, it away. Yeah, literally tons better than yes, throwing it away. No, for sure. And then the other aspect is that we could potentially be a little bit smarter or look into a little bit more about where we're donating our clothes if you want to get that 
far down. If you really want to know where your clothes are going, you need to research where you're giving your clothes to. And I think that is a big thing about this. It was just not being aware of what was actually happening to most of the clothing that we give. Yeah. I think that's huge. Awareness, I feel like in society today, we lack a lot of awareness on a lot of things. Not just this, just a lot of things. And, you know, and also I think this helps people take, or at least helps me, take a second look at, like, do I really need to buy this? Uh Uh-huh. And also... Ooh, that's a great point, If I'm going to buy something, and I've already kind of taken a stance before this, I need to, I really want to love it. I want to love how I look in it. I want to feel good in it. I want to like the fabric. Is it going to last? Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be the most expensive thing. No. And do you really need to buy the very trendy things in that moment? Or maybe focus more on the more classic pieces that you feel like you can wear. Do you mean like your black wardrobe? <laughs> Although you have blue pants on. I have I have some navy blue <laughs> pants on. But I'm, I'm just saying. <clears throat> no, I no, do wear actually, a lot of black. I know, I know I'm some not a people, color person. I know some people who wear like just black, white, and like the neutral like browns mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And you could... You could do a lot of looks with those types of oh, clothes, yeah. right? Yep. So I'm I'm sorry. I'm not even trying. I'm not trying to knock. You oh for no, that. I totally own this. I mean, we I own the black. <laughs> you own the black. Listen, I mean, every time I'm packing, you have that green dress. That's really cute too. Thank you. I but do love that. Dress. Every time I'm packing for something, I am like, all right, here comes the black and gray. Maybe a little bit of blue if we're gonna get wild. Do you, do, if we're gonna get wild, I mean, when you think about traveling, right? Like we just did. You know, you try to think about pieces like, okay, could I dress it up? I'm not exactly sure how dressy this is going to be. Yeah. I could potentially it's all about dress the shoes. this up. It's about the shoes. It's about maybe jewelry. Like if you throw a cardigan over or like whatever. Or if you wear it with jeans versus black leggings oh, or yeah. something. It can definitely have a huge impact. So I hear you on the evaluating your current closet and evaluating any future purchases in a much smarter way. Yes. I think the future purchases is a big thing. Yeah. Being really trying to try, be smart about it. Also, you know, do you want to buy secondhand clothing? I mean, I I have not actually looked into that. I have looked into buying like secondhand purses. Uh-huh. Um, because, I mean, why not? You know, you probably can get a really expensive purse for much cheaper. Things like that. Yep. So I've looked into that. But like, do you want to go on those? But I do sell on those websites. Yeah. And I've had success with it I always forget about them the thing is is you can put stuff up on there and then just put it in a little corner and forget about it and wait till it sells and most of the time it will I got a lot of shit in storage right now that I've forgotten about you just gotta take it's gonna be like it's gonna be you know a discovery Mm. day when we have to go back in and get rid of it or you could take your stuff to one a secondhand store and sell them to them yeah. You'll oh, probably, yeah. I used to do that in yeah, high school. A you'll lot. probably get less money. Fine. You know, like if you know you're not going to wear that stuff again, it's better to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, you get a couple dollars for it. Whatevs. I just appreciate this for the fact that it is enlightening. I never, until last summer, actually, I never thought about the whole fact that textiles did not disintegrate. And maybe it was just because in my mind I was like, well, I've worn clothes, like basically, so that they're threadbare. Well, I mean, and that goes back to quality, right? Because most good quality stuff you can wear forever. It's this is fine. true. I mean, listen, my husband, I buy him. If a you gap. don't overwear it, that's the thing. True. Is like you also should be rotating stuff in your true in your but wardrobe. I, he buys. He likes Gap jeans. Okay, so there's like a pair that he wears all the time. Mm-hmm. 
you can see it kind of wearing. It's not awful yet, but he's only had them for a few couple years. Yeah. So, like, jeans are supposed to last a good amount of time. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, they're know. a thick fabric, right? <clears throat> Textile. But, and then know. you have to think about kids. Like, they grow out of so much. So, like, well, what do that, you do with all that? Do you know what? That has actually been one of the things on the top of my mind because my sister for uh, my nieces, she has been, get, like, asking, like, anyone who has, a, like, a girl – yeah. She's like, do you want any of our clothes? Right. Granted, there's an older one and a younger one, so she can, like, I've seen the younger one be re-wearing a lot of stuff the older one did, and I was like, oh, I remember that. But, like, after she's done, what's going to happen? And so one of her good girlfriends actually had a little girl, so now she's just like, well, shoot. Like, yeah. do you want all of this stuff? Because she would much rather it go to somebody who is going to use it. And also, considering about going into secondhand stores and buying yeah. stuff, you know the person that you it's coming from, right? You know the person, from, right? you know they're clean, let's uh-huh, say. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know where it's coming from. I'd be much happier about that. Agreed, mm-hmm. agreed. I th- And I think that that is, that's key too, so. And I've um, given some of my friends some of my clothing before. I was just going to say, one of the, my friends from college, I actually just saw she posted a bunch of pictures about an adult clothes swap. And oh, so they all just like, th- do you know they brought- had one at Ray's? Shut up. A- adult clothes swap. swap. Everyone brought their clothes and then you would swap. It's kind of wild i think it's good that you like know the person and you're like yes. oh hey you know yes i mean I've especially given friends- if it's your friend and you've been like damn i've been oh, eyeing goodness. that dress or whatever or that i've been eyeing that top or something like that and then you just swap it to replenish obviously mm-hmm. like sizing is a factor but like and style you know it's like making sure that you have the same mm-hmm. style but s- such a cool concept and i i thought it was funny i was like flipping through photos of this friend stuff i've given dresses to my friends that like I have, like, I've already worn them too many times, and maybe now they can yeah. make use out of it. My sister benefits from some of my clothes. Yeah. So before I donate stuff, I'm always like, go into the closet there. Everything that's between mm-hmm. here and here, you can choose. Everything else, I'm going to donate. So you yeah. pick through it first, because now she has to go to work, and I'm like, you know what? I've bought a lot of stuff that I really liked, but I, I don't have to wear it that frequently. So There you go. So what about this Purple Heart wine? I feel like it's grown on me over the course of our episode. I mean, I think it's very smooth. I think it's very easy drinking. It's not a complex wine where I'm like wanting to sit here and contemplate it. I Um, actually feel like the tannins have come open, have opened up, become more present more so now that we're drinking it later. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's well done. It's not like, it's a good... Middle of the road, easy drinking wine. I think it's an appropriate way to. I am going to reiterate and say I would buy it again. I think I like the fact that there's some money that goes to charity. Yeah. For 20 bucks and you get a pretty decent wine. I mean, it's like I said, it's smooth. I think this would be good to share with friends, like for people who. It looks like a fancy ass bottle, too. It does, but for people who like don't really know what kind of red they like. This is, a, I think, a, a pretty decent red blend. That's that you part can of the share. joy, I think, about Merlot itself is that Merlot is probably one of those more approachable red wines, yeah. red wine varietals, because it's it's really kind of middle of the road. It has a lot of body, has a lot of alcohol, so that could be a eh sort of thing. But it's not going to be overly tannic, overly acidic, which can be a very polarizing characteristic of red wines. Right. And so I think that, you know, because this is Merlot heavy, you know, it's a pretty fucking cool thing. All right. I like it. Do you, Jamie? Do you like it? It's, 
I would say if it was more, I probably would not be inclined to purchase it again. I could agree with that. If it costs more. Yeah. I don't I, think but it's, I, it's, you don't feel like it's a 30 something dollar bottle, but I think for 20 bucks, it's a, it's a decent bottle. Yeah. I think it's actually really good. And it's one of these wines where now that I think about friends who are a little leery of red wine, yeah. this might actually be one that can no, this you is know, bring them over to the dark side, if you will. And not only that, it's not overpowering in fruit, but it's also not overpowering in tannin. And it's not overly complex. But it, well, I you need it to open lo- up and that whole thing. I do you think don't. there are think some it's... big flavors from oak, though, that are in here. And that's fine. It's fine. I don't think it's like and damaging. I don't get that. Yeah, I don't know. I get the fruit. I get the spice. It, yeah. Over, I think what you said, it's a good middle-of-the-road wine that I think would be, you can share with others and they yeah. will, this will definitely be um, well-received. So the winemaker says, to honor the sacrifices our servicemen and women make every day, we created Purple Heart Wine, an uncompromising blend of exceptional grapes grown in one of America's greatest wine regions, Sonoma County. We also proudly make annual donations to the Purple Heart Foundation. Join us in our support and tribute to our brave military heroes and thank them for their profound contributions. Yeah. So you might not know where your clothes are going, but you may know that if you buy this bottle of wine, then some of your money is going to the veterans. So that's nice. Purple Heart does take clothing. I've done that before. I don't know exactly where they're at in the whole clothing donation process. But I think it's it's nice to know. I've seen this bottle. I didn't realize they actually were associated with the Purple Heart Foundation. Mm-hmm. So it's good to know. And we thought it would be a good connection since and no, they take clothing donations. Yeah. And yeah. the other cool thing, I'll just say this because we talk a lot of we talk about labels. We pick a lot of yeah. wines based on labels. You know what? If something interests you, just and or if you just have time to kill in a wine shop, look at bottles of wine and just check out their back label because this one actually has like very nice sentiments. It it says when you look at it more so, it says that it donates to Purple Heart Foundation, and so it's always very intriguing, sort of what the messages that they provide on the bottle because I think that that actually makes you love the wine more. It's marketing, I mean for sure, for but, sure. But at the same time. I love when winemakers put a lot of stuff on their label. Agreed. I think it's awesome that so, we get more info. But I mean, this is this all is, of that that I just said was on the label. But like the facts about the wine, you do need to go to the website to find oh, out. Certainly. But when I was sitting there thinking, oh, is this Purple Heart? I could have just turned the bottle around. But, you know, <laughs> I was probably too busy, like putting other bottles of wine in my basket. I was just like, going to say, knows? distracted by some other, like very vibrant. This is a very classy. Know. It actually it looks is like it would be a label. Expensive. It's It's a beautiful bottle. Yeah. For sure. So. so anyway, thanks for joining us for episode 53. Yeah. Um, we're into our second year, so. We're so excited. I know. So if you have any ideas, please share. But otherwise, we'll keep it coming at you. Until next time. Cheers, bitch. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.